0: All right, well, let's look at Romans fifteen thirty, Getting close to wrapping up uh, this series, I believe, The Source of Hope, but um, had some specific things on my heart, and we're not going to just go past those things. So Romans 15, verse 13. It says, Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope, that you may overflow with hope, that uh, hope would just be coming out of us as we look to the source of hope, as we are filled up um, and with joy and peace. You know that is noticeable. When you walk around and you're filled with joy and peace, that's not normal on the earth. People normally don't go around like that. And so when we are filled with joy and peace and believing, we're filled with hope. That's contrary to our world, uh, the way the world operates, the world's culture. Most of it is the opposite. It's down in the dumps. It's not filled with hope. It's like doom and gloom. What's, what's going to happen next? And uh, for us to be filled with joy and peace in believing and abounding in hope, that's different. We stick out in a good way. And NLT says, I pray that, the, that God, the source of hope, will fill you completely with joy and peace because you trust in, trust in Him. Then you will overflow with confident hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. Now we've said hope in the Bible. It doesn't mean wish. It means expect. It means that to expect confidently, to expect good, to be um, excited about what's coming. That's hope. It's expectation. It is believing, it's based on believing, because you believe something, you expect something, regardless of what you see. In the ERV it says, I pray that the God who gives hope, He's the God that gives hope. He's the source of hope. He is the uh, God of hope. He's the one that gives hope. And uh, 1 Timothy 1.1 These are just verses that we've gone over at the beginning just as a foundation. It says, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the commandment of God our Savior, and the Lord Jesus Christ, our hope. He is our hope, the source and the foundation. Let's look at 1 Peter 3, verse 15. 1 Peter 3, verse 15, if you miss some of the, you know, you're online, you haven't heard um, some of these messages, you can go back, and all those are available on YouTube, they're available on our uh, website, they're available on Spotify, they're available on Apple Podcasts, you can go back and listen to them on Facebook. 1 Peter 3, verse 15, it says, But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts, that means set aside, set apart the Lord God in your hearts. And always be ready to give a de- defense to everyone who asks you a reason for the hope that is in you, with meekness and fear, having a good conscience, that when the, they defame you as evildoers, those who revile your good condu- conduct in Christ may be ashamed. Look at verse 15, it says, but sanctify the Lord God in your hearts, and always be ready to give a defense to everyone who asks you a reason for the hope that is in you. In uh, the NIV, verse 15 says, But in your hearts revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. In the Young's Literal Translation, it says, The Lord God sanctify in your hearts, and be ready always for defense to everyone who is asking of you an account concerning the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. So you see here it says a reason for the hope that is in you, the reason for the hope that you have to give a a defense of the hope that is in you. If you look back at uh, the New King James, verse 15, it says, to give a defense to, uh, to uh, everyone who asks you a reason for the hope that is in you. Now, this is talking specifically about the reason that you hope in Christ, the reason that you have a hope for future, the reason that you believe you're saved and you're going to heaven. But this also applies generally, that we, we need to know the reason why we are in hope while we're in expecting what is the reason for that what is the foundation and sometimes who you're giving the answer to is yourself you need to be ready to give an answer for the hope that is in you you need to because there will be questions come to your mind why why am I expecting the devil will bring stuff to your head why you even think that's going to happen Who are you? Look at what you've done. Look at how many times you've messed up. Oh, it could have happened, but you did this. You know, and and for somebody else, maybe. And so we need to be ready. We need to have a reason. We need to have a defense for the hope that we have because if you don't, it can be stolen from you. You're believing, you're expecting something, but the enemy will try to come to you and He'll try to steal it from you. And so we need to be solid in why are we expecting. Is it because we heard somebody else say it? Or is it come back to what God said? Because it can't be anything, it can't be a circumstance, because you know as well as I do, circumstances can change. Is that not true? Something that looked good last week, this week, if you looked at it, you you could say it's hopeless. Is that true? You can't go by feelings... (laughs) because you may have felt better five minutes ago than you do now. You can wait around another 30 seconds and you feel good again. Your feelings can be all over. That might have to do with your sleep. That might have to do with what you just ate. Might have to do with what somebody said to you. Might have to do with something that just flashed across the screen as you're walking past, you know, something in the mall. You can't go by feelings. That doesn't have anything to do with the expectation that you have. Uh, You can't go by... Um, circumstance, by what you see, by what you feel. It it has to come back to, to what God said, because if the reason for your hope is on any of those other things, then it'll go down. But if the reason for your hope is coming back to what God said, and it's on a firm foundation, now you can weather the storm, and when it doesn't look right, or things change, then you can answer that question. And we have to learn how to answer the question. Because ha- the battlefield a lot of times is in our mind. Jesus has already paid the price for everything we need. That, that part's done. His heart, it, God's heart is already toward all of humanity. He's reached out. He's given his best. And we as Christians can already have legal right to everything that he bought and paid for. And we can walk in it. But we can be talked out of it if we're not careful by the thoughts that come to our head. If we agree with the wrong things, if we get talked out of it in our mind, if we don't have a reason that is solid, then we can actually give up hope. Or we won't press forward in hope. We won't press forward in faith because we, we're, looking to, we're looking to the mind. We're looking to reason. And Satan will whip you every time if he gets you in reason if he gets you in what the, the natural realm has to offer, because he knows that, he knows what's going on in the natural realm, he knows what you don't see, but he can bring a thought, why would you think this would happen? Why would you think you're gonna go anywhere? And so we have to come right back to what God said. We have to be confident in the reason for your hope, and sometimes you're gonna have to tell yourself, wait a minute, because something bad could happen, and you have to bring yourself back to, wait a minute, my hope wasn't in that anyway. So the circumstance changed. So what? My hope's over here. That hasn't changed. So God can do it a different way. If he's not, if he's not going down, he can, he can go over. He can go through. God's not limited. He already knows the end from the beginning. Let's look at 1 Samuel uh, 1, verse 1. Now there was a certain man, I feel like I should just leave it, just say there was a certain man, that's his name, you can read it, no, I can even try to butcher it, of the mountains of Ephraim, and his name was Elkanah, the son of Jerhoam, the son of Elihu, the son of Tohu, the son of Zoph, an Ephraimite. Praise God. And he had two wives, the name of one was Hannah, and the name of the other was Peninnah. Peninnah had children. We're going to get past all that, and then we're just going to go on with the story. Had children, but Hannah had no children. So this is the, this is the account of Hannah, who, uh, we'll just keep going if you don't know the story. I'm not going to, uh, we'll go through the story they then go forward. Verse 3, This man went up from his city yearly to worship and sacrifice to the Lord of Hope, uh, hosts in Shiloh. Also the two sons of Eli, Hophni and Phinehas, The priests of the Lord were there, and whenever the time came for Elkanah to make an offering, he would give portions to Peninnah, his wife, and all her sons and daughters. But to Hannah he would give a double portion, for he loved Hannah, although the Lord had closed her womb. And her rival also provoked her severely to make her miserable. One good reason, don't need to have multiple wives. I mean, there are so many reasons, but, you know, that wasn't God's best, but he's going to work at, you know, work with stuff here, but it's not God's best. Uh, her rival also provoked her severely to make her miserable because the Lord had closed her womb. So it was, year by year, when she went up to the house of the Lord that she provoked her, therefore she wept and did not eat. So Hannah doesn't have any children, but the other wife, Peninnah, she has children, and she basically you know, is hard on Hannah, and so Hannah is sad, and she wept, and she wouldn't eat when they'd go up for this uh, meal, this feast. Verse 8, then Elkanah, her husband, said to her, so she, so she doesn't have children, she's sad, and the other wife is always giving her a hard time, so she's not happy, and every time they're eating, she, she's, she wouldn't eat, and she wept. So then her husband, then Elkanah, her husband, said to her, Hannah, why do you weep? Why do you not eat? And why is your heart grieved? Am I not better to you than ten sons? <laughs> I don't think that was the right thing to say. He, she probably, that it probably didn't comfort her. He's like, you know what, why, why are you sad? You have me. <laughs> but that didn't change her. She was still sad. You know, um, when you're dealing with something... And somebody tries to get you to look at something else they think will make you happy, but if it's not the right thing, if it's not something solid, even if it did make you happy for a little bit, it it won't last. No, we we can't just hey, well, you know, look at this. This will make you. No, that doesn't help. It's got to be based on the right thing. Verse 9, so Hannah arose after they had finished eating and drinking in Shiloh. Now Eli the priest was sitting on the seat by the doorpost of the tabernacle of the Lord, and she was in bitterness of soul and prayed to the Lord and wept in anguish. So she is hurting. She is very upset by the fact that she doesn't have a child. She doesn't have any children, and of course, um, her counterpart... Her husband's other wife has children, and she's she's bitter about it. She's mad. She's weeping in anguish. Verse 11, Then she made a vow and said, O Lord of hosts, if you will indeed look on the affliction of your maidservant and remember me and not forget your maidservant, but will give your maidservant a male child, then I will give him to the Lord all the days of his life, and no razor shall come upon his head." And it happened, as she continued praying before the Lord, that Eli watched her mouth. Now Hannah spoke in her heart, only her lips moved, but her voice was not heard, therefore Eli thought she was drunk. So she's just praying and she's talking, but he sees her and thinks she's just, that that she's had too much to drink, that doesn't realize what's going on. Verse 14, so Eli said to her, how long will you be drunk? Put your wine away from you. Verse 15, But Hannah answered and said, No, my Lord, I am a woman of sorrowful spirit. I have drunk neither wine nor intoxicating drink, but have poured out my soul before the Lord. Do not consider your maidservant a wicked woman, for out of the abundance of my complaint and grief I have spoken until now. Verse 17, Then Eli answered and said, Go in peace, and the God of Israel grants your petition, which you have asked of him. Now, let me ask you a question. I mean, it doesn't even indicate he knows what's... I mean, clearly, he didn't know what she was talking about. I didn't know what she was saying at that time. It doesn't say anything about specifically he knows what she's asking. But regardless, notice he says, Go in peace, and the God of Israel grants your petition, which you have asked of him. So that's what he said. He said, the God, God will grant your position. May the, the God of Israel grant, grant your petition. Has anything changed in her life at this point? No. Naturally. All all's Eli said was, your petition has granted. But why is she upset? She has no son. And that's your question. Does she have a son right now in the natural? Did anything change in the natural? No. Verse 18. And she said, Let your maidservant find favor in your sight. So he says, he says, the God of Israel, grant your petition which you have asked him. And then she says, Let your maidservant find favor in your sight. So the woman went her way and ate, and her face was no longer sad. Her face was no longer sad. In, in the NLT version, She says, it says this, Oh, thank you, sir, she exclaimed. Then she went back and began to eat again, and she was no longer sad. Why would she be no longer sad? In the natural, has anything changed? But she's she's been sad. She's been weeping. She's been bitter. She is frustrated, angry, but... The priest said, God grants you your petition, and she says, thank you, and she's not sad anymore. She's expecting something. She believes something now because there is nothing in the natural that says that anything should have changed. So her basis for what she is believing is not based on what she can see or feel. It is clearly based on what was said. And a little bit later then, Hannah, we'll read it in, in uh, verse 19, but Hannah is the mother of the prophet Samuel. So the, the boy was born. Verse 19, it says, Then they rose early in the morning, next verse, this is the next verse, and worshipped before the Lord, and returned and came to their house at Ramah. And Elkanah, Elkanah knew his wife, I mean, they had relations, and the Lord remembered her. So it came to pass in the process of time that Hannah conceived and bore a son and called his name Samuel, saying, because I have asked for him from the Lord. Samuel is a prophet of God. Samuel is the one that anointed David king. Samuel was mightily used of God. But his mother, Hannah, When she was wanting a son, she changed from being sad and not wanting to eat to eating and being no more sad, being happy because she believed the word of the Lord to her. And she took it as truth. This was the reason for her hope is that she believed what God had said. It wasn't because all the previous years were the same. She, she went to, this, this, uh, to eat, and she wouldn't eat, and she was sad, and she got harassed, and this repeated until the word of the Lord came, and now she chose to believe that more than what she saw. And so then she, she, she saw what God had promised. Look at Romans 4, verse 16. It says, therefore it is a faith that it might be according to grace, so that the promise might be sure to all the seed, not only to those who are of the law, but also to those who are of the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all. As it is written, I have made you a father of many nations in the presence of him whom he believed, God who gives life to the dead and calls those things which do not exist as though they did. Isn't that what we saw in Hannah? Eli said... God's going to grant your petition. Well, it hadn't happened, but in a little bit, it had happened. Verse 18, who contrary, notice this, we'll go back a little bit, God who gives life to the dead and calls those things which do not exist as though they did, who contrary to hope, in hope believed, so that he became the father of many nations according to what was spoken, so shall your descendants be. So Abram, it was, Abra- it was Abram, but then he became Abraham, God told him that he was going to have a son. And God said that when he had no children, named him Abraham, which means father of many nations, said, you're going to have a son. And verse 18 says, who? Abraham, Abraham who, referring to him, who contrary to hope, in hope believed, so that he became Abraham, the father of many nations, according to what was spoken. It says, he, contrary to hope, in hope believed, so that he did become the father of many nations, which is what was spoken. That phrase, contrary to hope, in hope believed, means even, we'll see this, even though it was contrary to what you'd expect because of what was going on. He hoped anyway. He believed anyway. In the NIV, it says, against all hope. You ever hear that phrase, against all hope? Abraham in hope believed. So against hope, he believed in hope. So that he became the father of many nations, just as, as it had been said to him, so shall your offspring be. In the NLT, it says, even when there was no reason for hope, Abraham kept hoping. What does that mean? Even though there was no reason in the natural. But what was his reason? Because what God said. Because God told him something, his reason for hoping was on solid ground. So his reason uh, for hoping, was what God had said. So he kept going until he saw what God had said. And, and just like we said at the beginning, if thoughts came to him, and believe me, of course they did, he had to say, but God said. His reason had to come back to God said, because if he's looking at the natural, uh, he's old, Sarah's old, his old wife, and there's no hope. And Hannah, she, she's had the same experience. She has never had children but she has to believe that the word of the Lord came, and then she changed and said, I'm believing this now. But she, her, her basis had to be something different than what she's seen because if it was just what she saw, then she would have given up. She, she could have got happy for a little bit, but she could have gone right back to just walking in the same depression. If she's just looking at what she's seeing, her, her reason <laughs> In, in Abraham's reason, had to be more than just natural. Hope, they, they hoped when there was no reason to hope. And we have to hope when there is no reason in the natural, if we're going to walk with God, if we're going to keep going on with what He has for us, then there will be times when we bump up against something that we don't see, we don't feel, we don't hear, stuff has changed, but then we have to say, but what is the reason I'm expecting anyway? It's got to come back to Him. And that's what will bring us through. We, even when it, it feels like there is no reason to hope, there is a reason to hope if we believe God. Always. And so that's what we have to come back to. So we can go right on hoping, expecting good, in spite of circumstances. In spite of what? Anything that changes. Praise God. Proverbs 3, verse 5 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him, and He shall direct your paths. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. What's that? What, what you see, what you understand. Don't lean on that. That can't be the reason. If that's the reason then satan will try to come to you to deal in that realm in that reason realm and talk you right out of it and he can talk you out of it if it's based on the natural but if it's based on what the lord said trust in the lord with all your heart don't lean on that so you hold on to what god said and his ways and his truth and not in your own then the next part says, "In all your ways, acknowledge Him, and he shall direct your path. He'll bring you forward. in, in spite of He'll bring you because God is not changing. The same God that was with Hannah, the same God that was with Abraham, the, the world I mean, it looks different, but it's so much the same, and the things we face are the same in essence, where we are going to reach places where we're going to just need to trust in the Lord and not on our understanding. We're going, our reason for believing and our reason for expecting has got to come back to Him, otherwise it will be swept out from underneath us. Yeah. So when that question comes, well why would you? Why, why would you expect? Trying to get you to look at something, trying to get you to feel, that's where we have to reject it and say, that's not my foundation anyway. We have to be able to, to push it aside. So God is the only place, the only source of true hope and true peace that everything is going to be okay, even when it doesn't look like it's okay. We have to be able to look up and say, wasn't looking at anything, any, any of this anyway, and if I looked at this, yeah, I'd be crying. But God... Is, is my source. God is the one I'm trusting. He's the, the reason I'm expecting. I'm not looking to any other place to take me over. I'm not looking to any other source to take me over. I'm not looking to any other philosophy to take me over. I'm not looking to any other condition. Oh, if this only stays, then we can make it. That's like quicksand, because it can change so fast. And then it's like, yeah, and then the hope just evaporates because my reason, it, it wasn't solid. I can get talked out of it just by turning on the TV. I can be talked out of it just by opening my email. I can be talked out of it just by looking at my phone and seeing the little, you know, messages popping up on the home screen. What right there can be the difference between you going forward with what God has actually had for you and not? Look at the phone and go, okay, but God hasn't changed. They didn't have a phone in Abraham and in Hannah's day. They, you know, so this phone is not making me uh, not trust God. Not going to make me go away from God. Okay, so somebody gave me a message. Okay, it looks bad. But God is still on the throne. And He's my reason. Psalm 121, verse 1 says, I will lift up my eyes to the hills. From whence comes my help? Where does my help come from? Verse 2 says, my help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. My help doesn't come from the hills. My help doesn't come from the mountains. I look around, my help doesn't come from any of that. It comes from the Lord who made it all. Notice the rest. Let's just read the rest of the, the psalm. It's short. It says, he will not allow your foot to be moved. Somebody said, well, it sure feels like it. If we'll believe what the word of God said, it may look like it slipped. But the Bible says, he'll hold you up when it looks, your foot, your foot feels like it's slipping, but he'll show it up if we'll still look to him. He who keeps you will not slumber. Aren't you glad for that? Behold, he who keeps Israel shall neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord is your keeper. The Lord is your shade at your right hand. The sun shall not strike you by day, nor the moon by night. The Lord shall preserve you from all evil. He shall preserve your soul. The Lord shall preserve your going out and your coming in from this time forth, even forevermore. God is trustworthy. And here's something you and I and this is with everybody, but just to say this, you and I, as Christians, we're going to be around forever. From now on. Sometimes that'll help you in the middle of something just to realize, I'm not going anywhere. Stuff may look look like it's going up or down, but at the end of the day, I'm still going to be here, and I might not be on the earth forever, but I'm going to be around forever. In other words, there's a future there's always a future, and, and God's going to be there. And I'm not going anywhere. Any, God, Satan will try to say, well, you're going to go down. No, you're going to be around forever. So it's just a matter of what we're going to believe. We, if we're going to be around forever and we believe that, we might as well say, hey, this is a short period of time on the earth. I, I may go through a tri- be going through a trial, but I'm just going to believe God now. You know, in the millennia to come, I'll come back and look at this and talk about it and say, hey, I believe God. Like Abraham and, and Hannah, you know, looking back saying, well, they're not on the earth, but at that point, they believed God. And so that sometimes just helps just to realize, hey, I'm not going, I'm not going anywhere. Whatever I face, it's not the end. Satan will try to tell you it's the end. It's over. It's not over. And what, well, but if this happened, it'd be over. Here's the thing. If, if it, whatever happens, God is there with us, and He is our help. And so whatever happens, Satan tried to paint a picture that nobody could stand this. Nobody could go through it. That's it. It's over. You're done with, done for. And that's just not true. God is there in the midst and he hasn't changed. And what he's done for others, if we'll look to him, he'll do for us and we'll go through and go over. Every single time. Because he's the reason for our hope and just because something changed in the natural, he is still our foundation and our hope and we can go over we can go through and then we'll just be praising God and say well in the natural yeah it was done but God brought us through and over and glory to him amen